Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 6th, 2017. My name, of course, is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And uh, I hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, I hope uh, your team won because the Magic didn't on Saturday. We'll talk about that game and maybe a little bit about Friday's game as well on today's podcast, but it was a fantastic Super Bowl. I'm sure that's what everyone is going to be talking about Monday, Uh, so I would be remiss if I did not talk a little bit about it here by pointing you to our fine podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, I'm talking about Locked On Patriots. I'm sure they will have complete coverage of the New England Patriots Super Bowl win, and uh, if you want to uh, see what hurt feels like uh, you can check out Locked On Falcons as well. They've done a, a, they've done a fantastic job covering the Falcons this year. They were on, of course, Locked On Magic earlier this year when uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, had their preseason game against the Miami Dolphins over at Camping World Stadium. So uh, we were I was cheering hard for the Falcons uh, for a number of reasons, but uh, I was cheering hard for the Falcons and uh, was very upset to see them lose. But it was a fantastic game. I hope everyone had a good time enjoying the game. Of course, it is a a social and uh, uh, event that's not just about football, but uh, it's good to have football out of the way. I'll say that. It's really nice to have football out of the way. Now, everyone can focus on a real sport, a sport that's actually going to be played for for the next 50 years, uh, and that, of course, is basketball. It is now officially real for the basketball season. We're in February. We know the trade deadline's coming up in two weeks. We'll be talking more and more about that, Uh, but it's now time to focus on basketball, And, and for those Magic fans that maybe we're, we're a casual Magic fans and, and are just now diving into the to the Magic. First off, welcome. Second, what took you so long? And third, it's okay if you leave. We we, we understand. Uh, there, it's been a rough weekend for the Orlando Magic. Uh, we're going to talk. I'll talk a little bit about the Hawks game, and then I'm going to talk about some, some bigger picture issues, including how this team's kind of been all talk. And generally, uh, another segment on, on how uh, this team is just kind of lost right now. And, and we'll talk all about that. But of course, that kind of always spurs these big questions and these, these uh, uh, you know, really frust- these moments of frustration for the Magic, of course, is just a, a puzzling, frustrating, no good, bad, dirty blowout. And, and the Magic, uh, and I'm sure Atlanta Hawks fans would probably agree at this point, that they would give up the 26 points they beat the Magic by for 20 for that one extra point they needed to beat the New England Patriots. They, they had that 25 point lead and lost uh, the game on uh, on Sunday. But but you know, say la vie. You guys got the Hawks. The Hawks are playing well, and the Hawks tore up the Orlando Magic. Of course, some background to this uh, in that the Magic played well on Friday night against the Toronto Raptors. They played probably one of their better games in some time against the Raptors. A 102-94 victory at the Amway Center. Uh, there was general general buzz within the arena 
uh, as the Magic took it to one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Now, the Raptors have fallen to fourth in the East thanks to this weekend's events. But the Magic dominated that game pretty much throughout the entire entire contest. Uh, they they uh, uh, played some really good defense. It was their third straight game holding an opponent to less than 100 points in regulation. It was their first game holding an opponent to less than 40% shooting since that game against the Lakers when they blocked seven shots in the first quarter. They had seven total blocks in the game against the Raptors. It was a game that was sometimes in doubt. It felt like Toronto might make a run, but every time Orlando pushed back, and, and generally it was the kind of game that made you think, okay, you know, the Magic had that good win against the Raptors. They played well against the Timberwolves in an overtime loss. They did some nice things against the Pacers. They seemed like they were putting things together, and now they put everything together and beat the Raptors, beat a good team. Things are looking up. I I remember walking out of the stadium, and and some of the discussions I was having with some other reporters were, okay, you know, you got two weeks till the trade deadline. You got six games until the trade deadline, until the All-Star break. Can you put a run together? Can you build some momentum and get back into this playoff race? The Magic are still four games out of the playoff spot. They're not that far out. We said, we, we shouted from the rooftops, we, we were, optimism was, was brimming, and it was just like, can you get one more win? The answer to that, of course, is no. The Magic couldn't get one more win. In fact, they went to Atlanta and just flatly and plainly laid an egg from the very beginning of the game. It was clear Orlando was not there to play. Uh, and, and I hate impugning effort. I hate saying those words. But the effort and energy was just not there. It was, it was a lack of physicality on defense, and it started unfortunately, with Aaron Gordon. I thought he picked it back up in guarding Tim Hardaway Jr., but the rest of the team did not. Uh, they were not playing for each other. It was very clear they were not playing for each other. Uh, there was not a lot of passing. Uh, it was just it was just a, a frustrating, no good, bad, awful, terrible game, uh, and the Magic just, they, they dropped the ball. They had every opportunity to build some momentum, and they didn't necessarily have to win the game. I mean, at some point, they got to win consecutive games if they're going to get back in the playoffs, and um, that'll be something we discuss in a little bit, but just the lack of energy and urgency from this team continues to confound. And Orlando got beat up and down the court. It was never close. Atlanta led by as much as 27 and won the game, won the whole game, 113 to 86. So that was a 27-point margin. Again, it was never close. 35-24 after one quarter, 30-15 to in the second quarter, and it was over. Orlando never made a run. They never pushed pushed back. It, It was just over. And, the, and I don't want to say quit, but the level of frustration grew to a point where players just stopped playing for each other. The ball stopped moving and the team fell flat. They shot 34.6% from the floor. Uh, only two players, only three players, shot better than 50%. Uh, Aaron Gordon, 5 for 10. Bismack Biombo, 1 for 2. C.J. Watson, 3 for 4. And C.J. Watson's playing pretty good basketball, but... Alfred Payton, zero assists. The Magic had 17 assists on 27 field goals. So the field goals they did make largely came off the pass, and the Magic weren't moving the ball. In a lot of ways, that game, there was some some over-aggressive frustration. Uh, you would see Payton drive into the lane to try and, and, and get a shot up, and the defense would collapse around him, and there'd be no outlet for him. No one would be cutting to open space. No one would be being there... To, to get him out. And that's all credit to Atlanta's defense. And Dwight Howard's a big part of that still. Dwight Howard was still uh, blocking shots, and, and or not blocking shots necessarily, but changing a lot of shots with his presence. And Atlanta pounced on that. The, the Hawks just dominated the game. 
And yeah, Orlando got to the free throw line, but that doesn't do it. The Hawks shot 52.6% from the floor. They had 28 assists on 41 field goals, 113 points. Tim Hardaway scoring 21 points. Paul Millsap scoring 21 points. Dennis Schroeder, 17 and 10 assists. They got wherever they wanted and did whatever they wanted to the Magic. And this wasn't a team that felt like it was close to turning a corner. It felt like a team that was satisfied with a win and shut it down. And that's, frankly, unacceptable at this point. The whole vibe of the team on Saturday was unacceptable at this point. And if the coach isn't saying that, you know, players should certainly feel that way. Because they, 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 ha- they had every opportunity to build some momentum, something they've been lacking for so long. And they dropped the ball. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Let me just run through the stats real fast if, if you want me to. Aaron Gordon led the way with 16 points. Uh, Alfred Payton had 12 points, 3 for 12 shooting, no assists though. Uh, so big, not a good game for him. Minus 35 for the game uh, from him. Jeff Green, the only other player to score in double figures with 12 points on 3 for 7 shooting. Yes, it was that kind of game. Evan Fournier, 3 for 12 from the floor as well as he continues to work back from injury. Nikola Vucic, 4 for 10, 7 rebounds. Again, just not a lot going on for the Magic in this game. It, it was they, they were dead on arrival. Atlanta punched them. They shriveled. They never really bounced back. They never really fought back. It was it was over in the first quarter, and it was clear it was over in the first quarter because the team just couldn't reach down and grab that ener- grab into that energy reservoir and 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 you know work together and get back into the game. Uh, it, it's 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 really the formula is really that simple. The Magic didn't do the things they needed to do to to win this game or even compete in this game. And unfortunately, that has been a recurring cycle because we've seen this before throughout the season. If it feels like this is a broken record, it's because it is. There's a good team and a bad team in the Orlando Magic. I've said that a number of times. And this weekend, we saw both. On Friday night, the Magic were as good, looked like a playoff team. Maybe not a playoff team, but look like a, a playoff adjacent team. And if you get that reference, kudos to you. Um, they look like a team that was right on the border there. And this that team is still in there, but so is the team that we see that we saw on. On, on Saturday. That team is also in there. And more often than not, that team has showed up for the Orlando Magic. That team has been the one that's been prevalent. Because it always feels like the team is about to get blown out. There is a blowout around the corner for the Orlando Magic. Seemingly every single game. Every And so we've been through this cycle before. And we went through this cycle last week. The Orlando Magic lost a big game to the Boston Celtics. And they've had that loss to the Celtics before. They've lost by 30 plenty of times a season. And so they sat there in the locker room after the game and said all the right things. This is unacceptable. We can't let this happen. We, we, we've got to 
trust each other. We've got, you know, we believe this is a playoff team. We believe we have the talent to be a playoff team. We believe we can do this, that, and the other thing, and all so on and so on and so on and so on. And then they go out Sunday and beat the Toronto Raptors and shooting 50% and, and doing all the right things to win a basketball game. Playing with energy, playing with intensity, playing with uh, 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 emotion, playing with physicality when it was called for. And that's what they've done all year. They respond to these bad losses. They, they pick themselves off, off the map and play like they can do. They can make the playoffs, like they are that team. And then slowly it peters out a little bit until the next big loss. And the Magic felt like they were building some momentum. You could, you could kind of tell that they felt that way too. That they felt, you know, we, got, we just got, A, they, they'd say again all the right things. We got to get one win. We can't focus on building a streak. We got to get one win, take it one game at a time, focus in on the defense, all that stuff. All the right things you want to hear a team say. They said all those things. And they continued to say all those things. But they never put it into action, not consistently. And that's why the Magic are sitting with their record at, what, 20 and 32 now? That's why they're sitting at 13th of the Eastern Conference. That's why four games out of the final playoff spot doesn't feel very small. It feels very big. And it's because this team hasn't won consecutive games since Christmas, since December 26th against the Memphis Grizzlies. They haven't been able to put the streaks together. They've only played well enough to make the more optimistic of us think they can put things together. Any night they can put things together and look like a great team. But good teams don't do it just one night. Playoff teams don't just do it one night. The teams that are going to be playing in late April and early May, those teams do it every night. Or if not every night, more often than not. And the Magic just aren't there yet. And so, while the more optimistic of us will let our imaginations run wild after wins... Because when the Magic win, they look good. It's been very rare to see a bad win this year, if, if you get that meaning. I mean, maybe not since the beginning of the year. The Philadelphia win, uh, the New Orleans win, the Dallas win. Those looked shaky, but they won the game. And their defense was killer in, in all three of those games. That seems like a lifetime ago. When they're winning games now, they look like legitimate wins. They look like a team... That can make the playoffs. How they beat Toronto the past week. Both those wins felt very real. How they beat Milwaukee a while back. That win felt very real. And I, I get it. Toronto and Milwaukee were struggling. Portland was struggling. But the Magic certainly did it more than enough to deserve those wins and earn those wins. Even Utah. Utah's a great team. To play that well against Utah in Utah, have that game pretty much wrapped up. Of course they didn't, but 
You get my meaning. There's a good team in there. But the key for the Magic has always been action. These, these guys are trained to say the right things. They know what the right thing is to do. But as Mike Tyson always said, everyone has a plan until they get punched. And too often for this Magic team, they take that punch and abandon the plan. And that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. That's why this season has gone completely off the rails. Because they're as likely to get blown out as they are to win. And losses fill the gaps. And there's been too many games where they lose by 25 points, trail by 30 points, where they don't look like they want to play, where they don't look engaged or, or play with urgency. I mean, I'm, these are basic things, things you cannot measure. And that's why the Magic are where they're at. And this may be real simple stuff. I, I, can, I can already see the comments. Of course, Phil. Of course. We've been saying this forever. And I have been too. I feel like I've written this column. I've said this already on the show. I could probably go back, grab this segment, you know, dub the right teams in, plug it in, and, and there's your episode. But at some point, someone's got to take a stand. At some point, someone's got to say, we're better than this. And maybe it takes a trade waking people up. And, and we'll talk about the trade deadline plenty in, in the week, weeks to come. We got two weeks until the trade deadline. or Yeah, two weeks until the trade deadline. Two weeks from Thursday. So three full weeks of the trade deadline. Maybe that'll be what wakes them up. And, of course, the question will be, is that too late? What does that mean for the Magic's future? Because I think that's the big piece that's, that's left remaining. And, of course, that leads maybe to the other big complaint that Magic fans have and the big issues that the Magic are fighting through right now is the decision-makers putting this team together. Rightly or wrongly, because media don't have all the facts and, and certainly fans don't have all the facts, but certainly results speak for themselves here, fans are pretty upset with management these days. And rightfully so. Because, the, I mean, any team that's built is laid at the feet of those who built it. And Rob Hennigan, in his interviews a few weeks ago, said the very same thing. Like, he gets why fans are upset. He gets why fans are frustrated with him and why fans are calling for his head right now. But it's, it's hard to say how we got here. And certain, I mean, we did a whole podcast on this with Chris Barnwall of At The Hive and a friend of the show uh, on the podcast a few weeks back. Uh, so go, go back and, and check that out. But uh, over the weekend, Sports Illustrated um, did a nice little roundtable with, with their writers, uh, with their staff, uh, and, and asked who's the biggest quote-unquote clown show in the NBA today among NBA front offices. And you got your usuals, the Knicks, 
the uh, the the Kings, a lot of teams, the Bulls right now, a lot of teams that that you would expect. And yes, the Orlando Magic were on there. And, and I thought our, our I thought Orlando Magic Daily staff writer uh, David Iwanowski did a really nice job uh, pinpointing the uh, you know agreeing with it and saying that it's hard to argue it. And, and the facts are pretty bare. In the last five years, the Magic have, I think, if not the worst, the second or third worst record in the last five years overall. Um, they're, they haven't sniffed the playoffs. They've given away assets. Um, you know, you, you go back to the Maurice Harkless trade. That was just, that was, everyone knew that was a terrible trade, but the Magic just didn't work using him at all, inexplicably. Um, you know, they, they gave away some draft picks. They probably oversold to get Alfred Payton in, in the 2014 draft. None of their draft picks have turned into the stars that they need. They haven't been able to build kind of a cogent roster. Uh, the Victor Oladipo trade uh, continues to get killed, and maybe rightfully so. I, I may make that argument uh, on the site tomorrow as, as you know, we're kind of counting down the days until Serge Ibaka is no longer a member of the Orlando Magic. Um, that feels like an inevitability at this point. But, uh, and certainly... Four coaches, three and four coaches in three years, and now five coaches in four years suggests there's a lot of instability within the Magic organization right now. And you can't run a successful organization if you don't have stability at the top. Uh, it's just that's just plain fact. And I know a lot of people want to blame ownership and, and its representatives for a lot of the problems. And I think some of that is fair. I think that um, ownership involvement has been spotty at best. Um, I think that they've they've certainly made some mistakes, especially uh, with the firing, with how they handled the firing of Jacques Vaughn. I mean, it was something that everyone recognized needed to happen, but it was not handled very well publicly. Um, certainly, they made a lot of mista- mistakes with the Dwight with the Dwight Howard situation, and that's frankly how we got into this situation. I don't. Uh, I call the Dwight Howard trade the original sin of of the Orlando Magic rebuild, rightly or wrongly. I mean, and, and I think the Magic did a good job uh, trading Dwight Howard at the very end. Uh, but the way they got into this rebuild mess uh, was a direct result of mishandling the Dwight Howard trade, um, depending on which, which stories you believe. But that's neither here nor there. Um, what's important now is not necessarily litigating the past, but figuring out how to move forward into the future. And... When I look at the Magic, I don't look at a team necessarily that is a quote-unquote clown show. Um, certainly there are elements of it, and certainly there are things that make you go, this, this, this team is just not very well run. And the Magic do have to account for that. But I also look at this rebuild as one of poor circumstance. They did not get the opportunity to draft any of the big stars they were hoping for. Uh, every they The only year that they they had three top five picks in three years, but the only year they maintained or improved their draft position was the Mario Hazonia pick in 2015. The year they drafted Victor Lodipo in 2013, they were supposed to have the number one pick. The year they drafted Aaron Gordon in 2014, they were supposed to have the number three pick. That would have been Joel Embiid. Uh, and then 2015, they were the fifth worst team in the league. They were supposed to have the fifth pick. They got the fifth pick. So they never really had the opportunity to draft to, to get that core player to draft. Essentially, the, the second pick, they got Victor Oladipo, who a lot of a lot of people thought could maybe one day be a star, uh, but never really got to that level. And, and why that didn't happen is certainly a, a matter for debate for another day. 
and probably for another podcast. I'll, I'll let I'll let Fred Fred Katz handle that on Locked On Thunder. But that was certainly strike one. But the Magic certainly didn't help themselves with how they built their roster, and and certainly po- possibly by the players they drafted. Drafting Alfred Payton, a guy who could not shoot to play him next to Victor Oladipo, probably was not the smartest idea. Even if you really liked Alfred Payton. Because if your future core was going to be Payton Oladipo, those two guys are below average shooters at best. And so I think there is a lot of fair criticism, more so than maybe the, the Sam Hinkie era, because Sam Hinkie never said process. That was a Rob Hennigan thing. And there was a process, and the Magic did follow it, but they probably followed it too closely or didn't necessarily think of the big picture when it was time to think of the big picture. Timelines were not... The timeline from ownership, the timeline from fans, the timeline from management was probably not all on the same page. And the Magic were right to try and continually improve, which they did, 20, 23, 25, 35. That's continual improvement. I I think that 10-win jump last year was a good thing for the team and for the franchise. But... The Magic never really built a team. And so when it came time to push their chips in this summer, they didn't have... They they, they continued to kind of just be in that asset collection mode. They had an idea of what they wanted to be, but they didn't actually get the players they needed to make it work. And Orlando has done a poor job bringing in veterans and leaders to help keep guys on the right path. And it's tough to do when you're losing. I get that. But the Magic certainly didn't help themselves with the free agents they chased after and the calcu- and the calculations and risks that they took. And I'm not talking about the Serge Ibaka risk. I think that's a, a completely separate thing. But like Channing Frye, they said, we need shooting. They went out and got Channing Frye. That didn't quite work out. You know, they said, we needed rim protection. They went out and got Bismack Biombo despite having Serge Ibaka. Aaron Gordon playing the three, while I may be a little more optimistic about it than most, it's not his best fit. I was a huge fan of the Aaron Gordon-Tobias Harris duo. I mean, honestly, if... I mean, I don't think it's that big. Not, not I don't think it'd be that great, but if you if you kept Tobias Harris with Aaron Gordon and had Bismack Biombo as your center, I think it'd be much more successful for last year's team. Uh, I would put it that way, perhaps. It always felt like the Magic were kind of trying to jam pieces together that didn't really fit. And that's, to me, why the Magic are here than anything else. It was just a, a more of a series of miscalculations, a series of poor circumstances that the Magic really couldn't get themselves out of, and then it just felt like they ran out of time. Or someone said, you've run out of time, you need to do something big now. And... You know, I have a lot of respect for Rob Hennigan. I think he had the right idea. I think the execution was very was was very poor um, in, in some respects, um, and obviously the results kind of speak for themselves. And when it came when when and and I don't know if this happened, but certainly when your bosses tell you you need to win, we need to make the playoffs this year, you do what you need to do to make that happen. Like I said. And the Magic have made poor decisions. The Tobias Harris trade was a poor decision. I never bought it as them trying to clear... I never bought it as them trying to make the playoffs. I never bought it as them trying to get Aaron Gordon more playing time. He was getting playing time already. Uh, I never bought it as any of that. 
it was simply to clear cap cap space in a summer when everyone had cap space and the Magic had very little to offer big name free agents to come here. Frankly, I think it's a testament to to Rob Hennigan that he kept some discipline and didn't throw money at Chandler Parsons or throw money at Harrison Barnes or go after a a guy who maybe isn't a max player with a max contract and maintain some flexibility. The Bismack Biombo contract looks bad now, but it probably isn't as bad as we think it is. Same thing with DJ Augustin. They probably went a year extra on DJ Augustin to make sure they got him, but it isn't bad. The Magic can still do things to improve their roster. If the Magic, you know, outside of the Serge Ibaka deal, if the Magic want to do something to improve their roster, I think they still can, and I think they can still weasel their way into some cap room this summer if they want to go that route this summer. So I, I, I give Hennigan a lot of credit for that. I think even with the Tobias Harris trade, they could have latched on to a high-priced veteran that, uh, that didn't, uh, that you know, maybe was underperforming, and they said, you know, we think we can create an environment for him to succeed. They could have done that. But instead, they cleared cap. And certainly they could have gotten more for him, and certainly maybe it would have been better and smarter to hold on to him until the draft. But at least there was a, an out, and, and clearing cap was an out. It doesn't it doesn't hurt you. And you know, if I thought that the right decision might have been to eat some of that cap space um, instead of spending it, like the Magic did. But even the guys they spend it on, like I said, I don't think kill you. Jeff Green is a bad contract signing. Fifteen million dollars is a lot, but it's one year. It doesn't hurt you at all. It literally doesn't hurt you. It, it, it it'd be more hurtful. To not have, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't think Jeff Green's been as bad as everyone thinks he's been. But I was about to say it would have been more hurtful not to have a backup small forward than not than to than to sign Jeff Green. And and so that, that again, that that may be another argument for another day. Um, clearly, things have not worked this season, and so it's made everything look worse. And as Hannigan will tell you, this is a results business. And if management, if ownership decides the results have not paid out. So be it. The good news is I think the Magic have some stability, and I think that's going to be the big important thing that they that they make sure they lay down this summer is some stability. Frank Vogel is your head coach. Whoever your GM is, give him the freedom. Give him the ability to go out and follow through on a plan. Make sure the coach is bought into that plan. I think that's going to be huge for this team moving forward. I don't think the—I mean, yes, the Magic have had some embarrassing gaffes in the last five years. I don't think this team, this this organization is completely dysfunctional, though. I think there is a way to save it. And obviously, wins help. Wins cure everything. Wins cover up every stink. Certain, the, the, the Magic in the finals did. Magic in 2010 did. The Magic in 2011, to some extent, did. It's when the rot was beginning to, to come out. You there is a way to save this. It's not going to be easy, of course. And it's going to take some luck. It's going to take some, some fortune going your way and, and some calculations and some risks going your way. But while there's certainly evidence to suggest it, I don't agree that the Magic are, are as dysfunctional and as disorganized as people think. I think the Scott Skiles thing did throw them a little bit for a loop and it certainly looked bad. It looked very bad. But 
despite the problems this team has had this year. I think the Magic do come out a little bit more stable and with a slightly brighter future. Certainly the decisions they'll make in the next two weeks will tell us exactly what that future is. And if they make a mistake at the trade deadline, if they make a mistake at the trade deadline, then we can revisit this topic and say, okay, something ain't right here. Something is very not right here. Maybe it's the optimist in me. Because I, I do think the magic, and I, and I think Hennigan, when he said on, on the radio that he's not going to make a deal just to make a deal. He's not going to make a bad deal that hurts the long-term future of the franchise. He will make a deal that helps the Orlando Magic, even if it is the last deal that he makes as this team's general manager. I, I believe him. I take him at his word on that. And that's good. That should make Magic fans happy. That should make Magic fans a little bit encouraged. It's going to be a long road back. and may take another year or two to make the playoffs. I don't know if the Magic will make the playoffs in 2018. I don't know if they have the talent to. Especially depending on... It depends on what they do in the next two weeks. But having a, a, a more clear vision for the direction they're going to go is going to help straighten these things out. And make it seem like the Magic aren't dysfunctional. I really don't think they are. I think they've I think that they've just made a lot of bad decisions or miscalculations. I don't know if they were bad decisions. A lot of miscalculations that did not pan out. And you know, you add up a bunch of bad decisions and you get a new GM to try and make better decisions. That doesn't mean the process is necessarily flawed. You just need a someone who who weighs the pros and cons a little bit differently, perhaps. And that will be the big story for the Magic for the next five months. And of course, we'll be following it here. So, I want to thank everyone again for listening to Locked on Magic Day. It went a little bit long, but it's a Super Bowl Monday edition of the podcast. Again, if you're looking for Super Bowl fun, Check out the great podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just about every NFL team is covered, so be sure to listen to Locked On Patriots for the revelry and listen to Locked On Falcons for the agony. You can also listen to our pals at Locked On Bucks, Locked On Jaguars, and Locked On Dolphins for the Florida teams. And of course, you can follow us here on Locked On Magic. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as on Facebook at Locked On Magic. We post the companion articles that are on OrlandoMagicDaily.com on those feeds in case you miss them or want to read more about what we're discussing on the show. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily, and the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag is officially open. Send us your Orlando Magic questions in the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at OmagicDaily. You can do that on, on Facebook at the Orlando Magic page. Give us a like there as well for the latest on the Orlando Magic Uh, And, of course, you can email them as well as any questions you want about the Orlando Magic, about the show, comments, questions about the show, business inquiries, advertisement inquiries. You can email that to to omagicdaily at gmail.com. I want to thank everyone again for listening to the podcast today. We will see you all for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Brosmerich. I will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.